To quote the great philosopher Herm Edwards, you play to win the game. Hey everybody, it's the Average White Fan Podcast. I am the Average White Fan, Scott Elmore. Thanks for tuning in again this week. Got the last one out a little late, but it's still quality content, stuff you're going to want to hear. And we're coming back strong this week. We are full boogie in the groove now with the regular season. Ten games in, we're starting to see things happen. We got the in-season tournament. Games are looking like a Housewives event. Got some people out there trying to come for the king. I'm going to talk a little bit about that. And we're going to do a little midterm science grades. We're about halfway through the first quarter of the season. So we'll talk a little chemistry. But I want to start with the NBA Cup, the in-season tournament. Seems to be a kind of polarizing thing. Some folks love it. Some folks think it's a joke. I said last week, I, I like it. I like what the NBA is trying to do to create a little bit of buzz early in midseason, times when most players are getting sat and load managing and everything else. I think what I've also figured out is this is a great way to see who has a team of competitors, right? Guys who want to win, right? If you go out there on the court, you play to win. There's no, oh, I'm just going to show up, dribble, shoot a few shots, go home tonight and cash my check. No, when you do this, you play to win. And it does matter to some of these guys. The Sixers were playing the Pistons, and they had the game in hand. It was a tournament game. Embiid pulls up to shoot a three with time winding down. Now, they wave it off, but evidently the Pistons were pissed. They didn't like it. They took exception to it, as all the classy folks like to say, and they got mad. Now, Embiid explained, well, look, the tiebreaker in this thing is points scored, total points, right? Should it come down to a tiebreaker, that's how they're going to figure it out. So he wanted to get as many points as possible. Now, I was pleasantly surprised because I didn't know that Embiid had that dog in him. And that's what this, this cup is starting to become. Who's got that dog? Who wants to get after it? Now, they use that in football a lot. It's true in any sport. And Embiid's got it. He's trying to win at all costs. I see Giannis go out there and do the same thing. So this is a great way to look at your team and see, do I have a team of MJs, of Jimmy Butler's, of Giannis's, P.J. Tucker's, Anthony Edwards, guys who get after it every single night. I don't care if it's a, a Wednesday night. 15 games in, they're getting after it because they want to win every game. They want to win any competition they have. Or do you have KDs and Kawhis and Jason Tatums and Big Cats, James Hardens, Julius Randles, guys who seem to mail it in. They show up, they get their paycheck, and they move on. You know, I I saw Lou Williams on the Trey Young podcast talking about the bubble championship that when he was with the Clippers then, they kind of wrote it off because they started hearing rumblings that nobody was going to look at this championship as being a real championship. I don't give a shit. If they're handing out the trophy and if you're playing the games, play to win. That, that was the biggest punk shit I've ever heard. And I lost a lot of respect for Lou Will after that because I thought he was a player. I thought he was going out there to win. 
But evidently, he was just mailing it in so he could get his cash from Magic City and buy up all the wings. So I'm going to watch, you know, every Tuesday and Friday night that I can to see who's getting it in. I'm going to see if Julius Randle is pouting about calls and walking up to the court mad because he didn't get the shot he wanted or didn't get the ball in that possession. I'm going to see if Harden continues to take plays off, if Kawhi sits because he's having a bad day. How very California of him. So I'm in for the cup mainly because this. This, this is going to be the litmus test to see which teams have what it takes to grind it out and win that ring at the end of the year. Turn it on and turn it off. That's a lie. You either got it or you don't. And some of these guys have got it. Now, moving on, I want to talk about this media thing where Stephen A. was talking about LeBron and did the Heat make him. Here on The Average White Fan, this ain't the normal topic. We talk about team ball. We talk about chemistry. We talk about who's filling what role and who's trying to win. I don't care about MVPs and all that garbage. But... This argument, this discussion made me think about, hmm, does a team make a person? And I think the truth is we're all made and influenced and put together by all of our experiences. So in that way, the Heat had a hand in making him. Yes, he was different after that experience, but he was also different after his first Cleveland experience and after the second. We're all different, right? As long as we're giving ourselves up to be improved, as long as we're open to the criticism and changing, yeah, we're all being made. None of us is a finished product. Even the great Pat Riley down there, Phil Jackson, Michael Jordan, Magic Johnson, all these guys were influenced by someone, right? He was different when he left. So was D-Wade and Bosh and everyone else that was down there on those teams, Some of these guys went on to get paid money they shouldn't have got because they learned something. So who made Jordan? Let's look at that. Who made Jordan? Was it Phil Jackson, a Tex winner? Was it Scottie Pippen? Because I don't think MJ won a title without him. Who made Magic? Kareem? Was it Pat Riley? Was it his coach at Michigan State? Who can say, yeah, that's who went into it. So did his parents. KD. I got to think KD probably got a little something in Texas, but not much. But as KD has bounced around the league, I, I'm a big believer in changing jobs as often as you can to learn more. Makes you a better teammate. Maybe not in KD's chance, but, you know, that's, that's for another podcast. But KD has been made everywhere he went. D-Wade, yeah, we saw that in Miami. We saw him, him become a different player and different iterations of him. CP3, he's played in different places. That had to to have an impact on him. So this whole thing about, oh, they made LeBron and this happened and that happened, eh, that's happened for all of us. Stephen A., let's face it, you wasn't nothing until you got to ESPN, am I right? Or did Winston-Salem State make you? So let's stop with the who made who, and let's just look at everyone's progression over the years and then we can really say okay this person made this person this person made that person all right so i want to get to my favorite discussion this week and that's the chemistry grades right we're doing midterms we're like at the six week point and i want to talk chemistry because 
I think it's a big deal just in life. It's a big deal in basketball, especially. All right. And what is it? It's, it's not just the mixing of the, the right players. It's the mixing of the roles, too, and the right players to fill them and accept those roles. And some of these roles change when you're on the floor, right? If Steph comes out and Clay is out there with Draymond and CP3, they want Clay to take some shots and score, right? If you got Embiid comes off and Reed comes on, he's playing center. Well, now that's Maxi and Tobias Harris. That's the green light. They're going to have to carry the offense, right? So everybody feels a different role. Even the star player does sometimes. Coaches, can a coach teach a player? Can they get them to fill these roles and put the right mixture together? Organizations willing to evaluate guys. Are these the right guys for this role? What roles do we need filled in the offseason? What kind of free agents do we need? And it, yes, it requires time, but not the kind of time you think. People say, oh, so-and-so played somewhere his whole career. It doesn't require a whole career. It requires coaches in an organization and players to be willing and you can get it in one training camp. You can get it over the summer, right? Sometimes you can have a guys together five, six years, and if one of them's a shitty teammate, it doesn't matter. After all those years, he's still a shitty teammate. So that's how I look at chemistry. I believe it's about guys who are willing to mix and flow together and do whatever needs to be done. I think some of the best chemistry going on right now is with the Sixers. They had all the drama late in the offseason with Harden requesting a trade. And they seemed to galvanize behind, hey, we're not going to let this idiot impact us. He's talking trash about Maury. I don't even know if they care about Daryl Maury, but you're not going to sit here and derail what we're trying to do. So Embiid played a respectful role, so did Maxi, and was like, look, you know what? This is what it is. We're going to go out here and ball every night as, as much as we can. And they kind of, you know, rally behind that. And Nick Nurse, who you've heard me talk about on the podcast, he has really come out and said, this is our team. This is what we're doing. We're getting it done with these guys, and we're playing hard. And they've responded. I mean, they're rolling over teams. They're doing a very good job of hustling. So they get an A right now. Their, their midterm grade is definitely an A in chemistry. The Warriors get an A, and I know their their record is not great, and they haven't looked great, but they're kind of like that couple that you know has got some drama, but you also can tell they're really down for each other, right? My wife and I bicker all the time, just just little stuff here and there, and my daughter-in-law loves to kind of look at us and is like, oh my God, are y'all really arguing? What's going on here? And it's like, no, this is just what we do, but the chemistry's there, and it's undoubtable. I think that's what you got going on with the Warriors. Draymond gets tossed in a game, questionable toss, right? They go on a run. They lost the game, but they went on a run. They, they kind of locked it in together. They don't necessarily have all the guys, but they're doing it. And so I think their chemistry can take them a long way, maybe not all the way to a title, but they've got it. They got that thing. I think the Pacers are another A team when it comes to chemistry, Right? Halliburton, Tyrese Halliburton, their all-star point guard, came out in a press conference and said he thinks they had the best bench in the league. Now, it's debatable. I think their bench is better than Boston, but a lot of college teams have a better bench than them. But 
you know, that's a great way to really let the guys know, let your teammates know, hey, I've got your back, right? I think you guys contribute. I think you're important. You're doing stuff that really matters here. So I think the Pacers' leadership, they've got the coaching leadership, they've got the youth. This is a group of guys that has really worked well together and they've worked hard together. And you can tell when they play. There's a joy to them. They seem to have fun. And that's huge when you're playing a game. So the Pacers get an A for chemistry. Now, the Lakers are not getting an A. Now, I, I like this team, not just because they're the Lakers, but just I like them. They're likable. I like LeBron. AD, I feel like he tries, but maybe he struggles. Okay, first off, they get a C plus. Okay, and that's based on I think they have the effort there. It just hasn't come together for them. Right, LeBron is out there promoting teammates. He's he's pushing Cam Reddish to shoot. He's pushing Austin Reeves to keep doing what he's doing to get that contract. Now, there's a lot of jibber jabber about Austin Reeves' contract that he signed in the offseason. Oh, we got that money, he can't do it anymore. Former players out there saying, Oh, they got tape on you now. They know what you're gonna do. You, you've hit your ceiling. I don't believe that. I think he's trying to do too much. Guys that get that money sometimes feel like they got to do everything. Like if I was averaging 15, I need to average 30. As soon as Austin settles in, he'll be fine. The guys on that team like each other, right? They don't seem to bicker. Even D'Angelo Russell, I think he likes these guys. He's not great at showing it with some of the dumb shit he does. But they're likable. Hachimura, Rui Hachimura, has got some dog in him. He's got a good game in there. And LeBron's trying to bring it out. I think Darvin Ham, their coach, may struggle to really get them over the hump of chemistry, but LeBron can help. Right now, they're a C. I really hope they can get to a B-plus and make a run together. And that takes me to the Pelicans, who are a C. There's too much trading possessions and moping around for them. Uh, Zion, Brandon Ingram do not look like they're having any fun out there. CJ, who used to be a barrel of laughs out in Portland, he does not look like he's having any fun at all. And so I, I don't know if Willie Green, their coach, can do anything about this, but they just they don't look comfortable as unique as it is to have Zion bring the ball up, he doesn't look comfortable. And I think that's affecting their chemistry. They have some real talent there, and they got some great effort guys, some defensive players, some guys who will go in and get a rebound and, and put it back. I just don't know that they have that flow and that energy to them to where they can really get out there and get after it together. And finally, the Clippers... The Clippers are a a conundrum for me because I don't think they had the chemistry before Harden got there. Now, Harden's going to get the blame for it, and I'm fine with that because I, I think he's, you know, a, a cancer on a team. But since he got there, they're 0-4. Westbrook doesn't know what to do, and I don't think they've known what to do with him. And Kawhi and Paul George don't have the leadership. They don't have the power to rule that team. Ty Lue, as the coach, is going to have to be the leader on that team, and it hasn't worked. One of their best glue guys, 
Bones Highland has been benched now that Harden came over in a trade. They barely play P.J. Tucker, who could be a true leader out there on the floor because you've got these four superstars that they feel compelled to play along with Zubac. And nobody knows what the hell Zubac is anymore. I don't think he is. I think Zubac would love to be traded. This is a team with zero chemistry, with zero love for each other or or rhythm to how they play together. So they got a D only because I'm trying not to be negative and snarky and hand out any Fs for chemistry. So the Clippers, I don't see them pulling it together. They're going to go on a run. They'll probably wind up making the playoffs. But ultimately, chemistry is what's going to do them in because they don't have any of it. And I do want to touch on the Bucks. Uh, I find them to be kind of a fascinating watch right now uh, alongside the Celtics. And I'll look at them kind of together in tandem. I think they're both sitting at a B, maybe B minus. And I think their talent's covering up some of the problems. Both of these teams got rid of the heart and soul of their team in the offseason. As much as I love Giannis, it's, it was Drew Holiday that gave them their identity because Drew and Giannis played hard. They played tough. They took it at people. They were very aggressive, and they played defense. Same thing in Boston. Boston had Marcus Smart, and they had Grant Williams there. Both of those guys are gone now. Along with Robert Williams, who was kind of an honorable mention when it comes to, to all those, those traits, both of these teams traded away team guys. And though Boston brought in Holiday, they also brought in Porzingis. And I think they're lacking the chemistry that you would hope Jason Tatum would give them, that you would hope Jalen Brown would give them. They just don't have it. Same thing in Milwaukee. They got rid of Grayson Allen, a fantastic athletic role player. But they let him go. And they've got Dame, who can't guard anybody, who's shooting in the 30s as far as his shooting percentage. He's not accurate. He's a high-volume guy, which takes the ball out of Giannis's hand. Now, Giannis has said, oh, this is Dame's team. That's him being a leader. That's him trying to make Dame comfortable. But the truth is, this is still Giannis's team. Dame just showed up to help out because Dame is in his mid-30s and he's been hurt a lot and he's not a big guy. So the Bucks and the Celtics both get Bs. They could be better. I don't think they will be. I think their talent will overcome some of that. I don't think either one of them has strong coaching. So their chemistry is going to have to improve. All right, let's get to this week's games. So, Friday night, spoiler alert, I'm going to be at the Sixers-Hawks game here in Atlanta. I love going in person to Atlanta games because it's a whole vibe. It's a whole experience. If you haven't been to an Atlanta game, you should because it is everything you think Atlanta is. It's a little bit ratchet, a lot of fun, doesn't take itself too seriously. So, Maxie's going to smoke Trey. Embiid is going to smoke Capella. And overall, the Sixers are going to smoke the Hawks. Now, Hawks have six players averaging in double figures. I think that's a great thing. But I just don't think they have enough firepower. And Trey is too small to guard anybody that the Sixers have. DeJounte will help, but ultimately, Sixers wind up winning by double digits. 
I think Saturday's interesting game to watch is going to be Mavs at the Bucks. So the Mavericks have slowly started out 8-2 and two this season. Kind of snuck up on me. But they are playing good ball, even though it's ugly. And Kyrie is kind of dialed in, still not playing defense, neither he nor Luka. But Luka's feeling himself. He's hitting shots. He's banging into people like usual. He's whining a lot, but it's working for him, right? Not to mention there's no Jay Crowder for the Bucks, who is out for, what, six, eight weeks, I think, with an injury. He's going to have to have surgery. They're stumbling a little bit, still trying to find themselves. And they've got nobody to guard Luka, especially with Grayson Allen gone and Drew Holiday gone. So I think the Bucks are going to fall in this one at home by probably eight points. And then the Sunday game, Magic and the Pacers. This is the let's go game. Yeah, this is the game. They're going to run up and down the floor. There's going to be a lot of passing. There's going to be some dunks. There's going to be some wild stuff. There's going to be two teams that have fun to play, right? The Magic have six players averaging in double figures, only to be outdone by the Pacers, who have seven players averaging in double figures. All right, these are two deep teams. They're young, fun to watch. They're both hungry, and they both have fun when they play. I don't know that the Pacers have anybody who can really D up Paolo and the Wagner twins. They're not twins, but I know. It's just fun to say. Miles Turner will have his hands full, but then the Magic are going to have to guard Tyrese. So I think this will be a fun one. Pacers by six in this one, but I'm fully prepared to be wrong. Definitely going to enjoy watching that one. All right, that does it for this week. Thanks for tuning in to the Average White Fan Podcast again. I appreciate your downloads, your likes, your reviews, all that good stuff. You can find me on Instagram at Average White Fan, and you can also find me on X sometimes. Hit me with your comments, hit me with your questions. If there's a topic you'd like for me to cover, I want to hear about it. Next week, I'm going to talk in-season tournament picks, reincarnation, and I'm going to have a little bit to say about the live game experience. Y'all enjoy the basketball. 